0: In John 17, verse 3, the Lord Jesus said, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That raises the question, where do we get this saving knowledge of God? It's in the Word of God, in the Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Welcome to Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. In our short time together this afternoon, it's our goal to open those scriptures with you so that together we may understand and believe the good news which tells of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Here's our host for this afternoon, Pastor Wes Bradenhoff.
1: Well, good afternoon. I'm Pastor Wes Bradenhoff, and I am glad that you've joined me. This week on Gospel Talk, we're considering one of my favorite biblical teachings, one of the most comforting and pastorally applicable doctrines in scripture, and that is the doctrine of God's providence. Now, over these last few days, as we've began each program, we've defined that doctrine. I, I think today it's, again, important. They say that repetition is the mother of learning. So I'm going to, once again, define for you, present you with a, what I think is a really good biblical definition of God's providence. What do you understand by the providence of God? It says God's providence is his almighty and ever present power whereby as with his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty. Indeed, all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. That comes from the Heidelberg Catechism which is one of the standards, the doctrinal standards of the Canadian Reformed churches that sponsor this radio broadcast. Also, a lot of other Reformed churches also hold to the Heidelberg Catechism as a faithful summary and a a guide to what the Bible teaches. So for the last few days, we've been talking about this doctrine of God's providence, this biblical teaching, and we've considered how that is illustrated in the life of Joseph. And yesterday we were looking how it also unfolded in the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, friends, the greatest evil ever committed was when the innocent son of God was nailed to the cross. There is no doubt about that, because that was the the greatest tragedy that has ever taken place in the history of mankind. Because the Lord Jesus was sinless. He deserved absolutely nothing of that. He was the perfectly obedient son. But yet, he received the most horrible punishment imaginable. You know, we sometimes focus on the the physical side of his suffering. And if we do that, then we might be led to say, "Well, there have been people in the history of the world who have suffered Uh, more horribly, been tortured in more horrific ways than Jesus was on the cross. And that may very well be true. But that neglects the fact that his suffering was not only physical, it was also spiritual. Because when he was on the cross, he was experiencing the wrath of God against our sins in his soul. He was rejected by humanity and rejected by God. He took the wrath of God upon him. He descended into the deepest shame and anguish of hell. And so as we look to the cross, we see something so wicked that words begin to fail when we want to describe it and we want to do it justice. And then yesterday we considered the question of whether the cross fell outside the sovereign will and plan of God. Was our heavenly father upholding and governing all things when his son bled and died on Golgotha on Calvary's cross? You know, not long after it happened, the Apostle Peter answered those very questions. It was the day of Pentecost. Peter was preaching to the Jewish crowds. He said in Acts two fourteen to 28, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. No, it's only nine in the morning. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes from Joel 2, 28 to 32. And he goes on in verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. And then verse 23 says, This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross." The Jewish people put him on the cross and they're responsible for that. But yet Peter says there on the day of Pentecost, when he's addressing all those Jewish crowds, he's saying that was God's plan. That was God's doing. God was working through you. God worked through this great evil to bring about the redemption promised long ago. You know, on Monday, we we talked about open theism, open theism, says that God is not sovereignly in control of all that happens. We talked about Greg Boyd and the the example of that woman named Melanie who lost her baby. You know, she had been childless for so long and then suddenly she was pregnant. And then while the baby was being delivered, the baby died. Greg Boyd said that God wasn't involved with that. He had nothing to do with that. Rather, God wants to deliver Melanie from that. And Greg Boyd is an open theist. Open theists don't believe that God is sovereignly in control of all that happens. Instead, they say that God backs off. He's relinquished control. He allows the universe just to, to go its way and take its course. And so events that happen are just as surprising to God as they are to us. Open theists, they speak about God taking risks and chances and respecting and allowing for human freedom to the fullest extent. Well, you know, Friends, the cross is where open theism stumbles. Because if open theism is true, the cross was a terrible tragedy that fell outside the will and determination of God. God, if open theism is true, God was was saddened and he was surprised. He was surprised to see the Jews take his his well-beloved son and torture him and put him on the cross. And God would have looked down from heaven and see his, saw his, cro- his son hanging on the cross, and he would have wanted to deliver him, to rescue him from that. And we're just lucky that he couldn't. We're just lucky that Jesus died, doing so somehow for our sins. But friends, that's not what the Bible teaches the Bible tells us that God was on his throne when his son was on the cross. Luck and chance had nothing to do with it. God's sovereignty has everything to do with it. The worst crime that has ever happened has brought about the greatest blessing ever. The forgiveness of our sins and a right relationship with God. Now friends, the cross is where we see God's providence in HDTV and surround sound. That clear picture, those crisp colors, that beautiful sound, gives us the right perspective for our daily existence. Listen carefully. If God could bring the greatest good out of the greatest evil, can't we trust him here, now, in our daily lives? Can't we trust his providence? Can't we believe that a God who is good enough and powerful enough to bring good from the death of his son is good enough and powerful enough to bring good from the fall into sin and the effects of the fall in our daily lives? Well, friends, I have good news for you. Scripture promises us that it is so. If we look ahead to the last book of the Bible, we see a picture of God's people no more grieving over evil, no more tears, no more sadness. In Revelation 15, we see a a picture of all God's people joining in a song of praise, confessing God's justice and truth, rejoicing in him. We read there in Revelation 15 verses 3 and 4, Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. There you see God's people at the last in in the Eschaton in the age to come, praising God for everything that He's done. He is sovereignly in control, and that makes us want to praise Him not only in the age to come, but also in the here and now. And there's a benefit here and now also to knowing and believing that God has created all things and still upholds and governs them by His providence. And you know, it's all about peace of mind, and it's all about confidence. Sometimes God sends us adversity. He sends us hard times. He sends us trials. Sometimes things can be so difficult, and, and it seems like there are there are no answers that will satisfy you. I've been there, and I imagine many of you have too. I was there a, a number of years ago dealing with the, the death of my mother. My mother took her own life. When something like that happens to you, sometimes you're left with so many questions and there are very few answers. Well, what I learned from that and what I think all of us need to learn is that you need to fall back on what you know for certain. What you know for certain is that no creature can separate you from the love of your father. What you know for certain is that all things are in his hand. What you know for certain is that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Indeed, isn't that what we're taught in Romans chapter 8? A couple of years ago, I was listening to a a speech and the speaker said that there should be a moratorium on Romans chapter 8. I don't agree with the speaker at all. I think that Romans 8 still has such powerful words of encouragement. And so as we come to the end of today's program, I want to share with you some words from Romans 8, verses 28 to 39. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified... He also glorified. What, then, shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can't be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, who died. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I hope that today's message has been an encouragement to you, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow as we finish dealing with the doctrine of providence. This has been
0: Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Breidenhoff. Our goal here at Gospel Talk is to faithfully preach the gospel in season and out of season. That's also the goal of the Cloverdale Canadian Reformed Church. This program comes to you today through their generous support. You can find the Cloverdale Canadian Reformed Church at 17473 60th Ave. in Cloverdale. That's just off 176th Street. Sunday worship times are 9.30 a.m. and 2 p.m. Guests are always welcome. You can find more information about the Cloverdale Canadian Reformed Church at our website, www.cloverdale.canrc.org. That website again, www.cloverdale.canrc.org. You can also write us for more information, or if you have any questions about anything you've heard today, email us at gospeltalk at hotmail.com. That's gospeltalk, all one word, at hotmail.com. You can also call us toll-free at 1-866-288-1087. Once more, that number, 1-866-288-1087. Thank you for listening today. This has been Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff.